Welcome to the Rest, Eat, Move podcast by On Target Living. And he said, Greg, you have got to make a commitment to yourself to live one day at a time. You can't get ahead of yourself. And that was, mm. I got a lot of good advice, but that was one of the real good pieces of advice I had, especially during the real painful times. And the, the advice Carl gave me, I just had to get to midnight. And if I could mm. get to midnight, I could get to the next day. Hey, welcome back to another Rest, Eat, Move podcast. And I'm really excited today. We have an incredible guest and his name's Greg Lemansky. Greg has an incredible story to share. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. So kind of as we begin, I just want to kind of get the listeners to, to learn a little bit more about you. Tell me a little bit about your story, you know, how, mm-hmm. you're, how you started at State Farm. Kind of just go back in time. Tell them a little bit about you. All right. Well, I grew up in Farmington. And we grew up on a dirt road before Farmington was a posh suburb. We'd go in our our backyard, which was a, about a mile by three miles of woods and cricks, and you know would would make spears out of broomstick handles and go hunting <laughs> rabbits. And I had a delightful childhood. I was blessed to have two very good parents who um, made us work and taught us the. The integrity, and we went to church every Sunday. I grew up Catholic. We had a very good foundation. And I'd say a lot of kids on our street were like that, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. There were also some tough kids who didn't have good mom and dads. And we had to negotiate being a a good person with being a tough person because you could get taken advantage of. Sure. You know, if I was a little kid amongst the bigger kids, you had to know how to be tough. Not it was a gang or anything, but... It was a great environment to grow up with a balance of life. And I, I just really look for, I look fondly on those days. And then I, uh, I played sports. We were always a sports family, my four siblings and I. I, I ended up going to uh, college and I played varsity football and club lacrosse for four years at Albion and had a great experience there. That's where I, I really found the insurance industry to fit my need to serve people, to be my own boss, and to have the potential to earn a lot of money. And then when I interviewed the different insurance companies, State Farm jumped out as the opportunity for me to take. And knowing that I was going to be poor for a few years, starting my own business, my best friend and I wanted to go to Europe and backpack Europe for six weeks Mm. before we started the the um, business journey and uh, work like crazy with no money. So that was really a, a very good investment in non-formal education. But uh, we learned so much about the world and what we're seeing right now in the Ukraine with Russia. I have a little bit of closer knowledge because sure. I was near yeah. some of those countries. So you did that for six weeks? Yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It was. I, I would encourage any college graduate to go somewhere in the world and find out about America by being out of America. Um, that's, a, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Learn about America outside of America. And we're very ethnocentric, right? If you only right. know what you know, you don't know that right. you know, other people don't get <laughs> yeah, showers. We, say we, we know what we know, but we, you know, everything else is what we don't know, or we don't know that we don't know. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. 
So then uh, came State Farm, March 1st of 1985. I just celebrated my 37th anniversary. Wow. And I remember it very well. I started out in a basement with three other agents and a manager. And it was a humbling, a humble beginning because I was just a college kid. I only had $3,000 to start my business. And it was just work, 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 work. And um, it was good work. I, I loved it. Sure. I loved I was selling things since I was a little kid, whether it was, you know, the raffle tickets for sports or magazines yeah. for elementary school contests. I just loved the challenge of selling. And I particularly like the insurance service to sell because it would help people when they really needed help. Sure. And uh, it turned out very well. It's been a, a real blessing in my career because I have great relationships. We've made a lot of money. We've lived our, our dreams financially, but also with State Farm, there's great incentive uh, trips to travel. And I've, I've done all of those trips, which has taken us all over all over yeah and that's 37 years wow yeah that's fantastic yeah that's, and that just that just occurred so right that's fantastic yeah yeah so along the way so state farm um how has that changed since 1985 for you obviously you were in a a basement you know s small beginnings to where you are mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. i mean you got a thriving business you got a great team we do yeah, you can't do anything without a great team, as you know. When you say what changed, Chris, the <laughs> I remember when we first got our brand new computer. I started with nothing but paper and math. I think we must have had a basic calculator at that time, <laughs> but we had to figure out all the forms, and there were about eight or ten you know, uh, steps to the math that we had to do to figure out one auto write, and sometimes it could be double that. And, Everything was done on paper and pencil, and then we got a computer with a floppy disk, and that would take five minutes, but I've seen that whole metamorphosis till today. Sure, right. Now the technology is out of control. I can't right. even keep up with it. There's so much of it. <laughs> That's why you have a good team. Right. <clears throat> the, um, the handshake and the relationship was much more important then than it is now. People would answer their phone People would listen to a knock on the door. People were much more civil, I think, to talk business then than we are now because of mass marketing, phone scams today, um, just an overabundance of marketing and junk mail today. You can see in 37 years how that's changed. Right, right. So it's it's different today. Mm -hmm. And if you don't adapt, you die. So and you, in the relationships you have, that's obviously key. Right, and there are a lot of people who still want relationships, but there's there are a fair amount of people who would rather do things on their own. They're very self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. They only need me when it's really expertise time. Right. Or their back's against the wall and they have something they don't know how to handle. That's when I have to come in and give sure. them counsel. Okay. Uh, some people, they do everything, would recommend and would say. Other people, they just want to listen and they'll make up their own minds. And, mm -hmm. and we always say... I'm going to give you advice, like you're my own brother and sister, who I love. But I wouldn't expect my own brother and sister to do everything I say because sure. it's your money. You have to decide what you do. Right. Now, what I do need to make sure is when there is a claim, 
that you know you decided this, not us. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy to blame us sure. when something happens and you didn't buy the appropriate coverage. And then right. you know, you're irritated, and rightfully so, but right. we don't like well, that it's kind pushback. Of what, sometimes what we do, like if, if you can get people to follow, the hardest part is get people to change behavior. Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can follow somewhat of the protocol, you're going right. to probably get great results. Sure. And that's what you're saying. You're yeah. like, hey, right. this is the plan, but you have to make the ultimate decision of if you're the one you're choosing. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about where you are today. Where I am today is uh, I would go back to the challenge I'm having with a cancer diagnosis in uh, in May May 16th, actually, um, I woke up for three nights in a row with some real severe stomach pain. And my wife, God bless Brenda, she said on a Saturday, why don't you just go in and get a blood test? And the, the Friday night, Chris, before that, I was working an 85-pound jackhammer in my backyard on a project. So it wasn't like I was weak or crippled. Right. You're crushing it. Yeah. What, what year was that? May? Just last year, 21. May 21. Yeah, May 21. And um, so the three blood tests at uh, 98.6, uh, the the first two said, no, you don't have anything big. We'll call you in 24 hours on the last one. And the, then we were at our cottage, and the uh, last test, they said, you have to come back to Lansing. I said, well, we're up at our cottage. Can't we do something here? I said, no. We think we, we see either gallstones or a gallbladder. There's mm. something blocking the bile that's coming out. And so I checked in the Sparrow emergency room, and I'm a hospital patient for two or three days. And what they thought that may have been uh, stones or bile or what they're, a blockage, or what they called sludge, it turned out to be a tumor, and that's when uh, you know the journey changed. The journey changed to have that... Uh, 10 hour Whipple surgery. Maybe I mentioned that to you yep. already. Yeah. Pretty intense surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, going after a few different organs and, and, uh, how did you feel? So you got the first blood test, but what was going through your mind when you first got the first blood test? I, I the, the blood test was really to appease my wife. Mm-hmm. I, the pain was intense those three nights. There is no doubt. I thought when I was lying in bed, I said, if I ever, I'd, I've never had cancer, but if I did, this is what it would feel like because it really burned. But then it was gone. Mm-hmm. And then I could do work and I was normal. Doing but when you hammer. lay down right. in that, you know, flat position. Yeah, vertical mm-hmm. uh, position or horizontal position, th- that's when I guess your bile mm-hmm. is really needed. Well, <clears throat> when I got the blood test, I wasn't thinking there was anything serious. The phone call when we were at the cottage, the lady said with some some real uh, enthusiasm, no, I have to get to Lansing. They need to see me. <clears throat> they didn't think it was cancer, but right. they thought definitely it was... You can't be sitting at the lake. Right, because mm-hmm. if, if I had a gallbladder eruption or something it could get real serious with sepsis right so when you came back to sparrow and then you found out and that you went through that whole thing kind of catch us up on that so where we're at 
like, okay, so I went through the Whipple. Walk, walk the listeners through kind of what, what did that entail? So at Sparrow, they had to do all the diagnostic tests. And that's where they found that it wasn't a sludge or stones, that it was a, a tumor mm-hmm. right outside the pancreas on my small intestine, also called the duodium. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I didn't really know how serious that was. So I was looking up on my phone different things. And that was a mistake because everything in the world came at me in a negative fashion. Right. I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is not a good mm-hmm. situation. And um, I remember clearly one of the young doctors, he came in and he had sweat on his forehead and he did not really want to tell me what was happening. So there was a, a, a couple tests, and finally one of the doctors, um, after, after I'm in this kind of state of, you know, I just took a right hook to the chin. Sure. And uh, the one doctor came back. Oh, so I, I was walking around the hospital thinking, okay, so do I have a month to live? Do I have six months to live? What are, what's going to be said at my funeral? How are my kids going to grow up? I'm never going to see grandchildren. You know, all the things... Started whooping through your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got an hour of alone time thinking, have I been a good enough servant? Is my mm-hmm. wife going to be okay? I know she's going to be okay financially because of what I do. Sure. But all the deepest questions, the sad questions, you know, my parents are still living. I would never want right. them to have to see their son die. So for an hour, Chris, I was walking around the hospital thinking... There's no out to this because mm-hmm. when it's next to the pancreas, everybody knows pancreatic cancer is very serious. I didn't have pancreatic cancer. So when the doctor came in, he said, okay, there is a potential solution for this. And that's the called the Whipple surgery. And he described the Whipple surgery as they would remove the um, head of the pancreas, a foot and a half of the uh, small intestine, They'd remove 15% of my stomach, they'd remove the gallbladder, and they'd remove two of my ducts to the um, stomach, uh, or stomach and something else. And then they have to replumb you all together. So within two weeks, I was very fortunate. The day after Memorial Day, I was able to get into the surgeon, and uh, they did the surgery. Everything went well until they nicked my liver. And that could have been a life-altering event where you never wake up from that. Sure. But Henry Ford uh, had a the the liver. Um, what do you call it when uh, they tra- the liver transplant team was right there? So they had three or four of them, and they went right to work and patched me up. It elongated things by about an hour and a half. So you know, I'm out, I'm asleep. So I don't know anything, but I really feel bad for my wife that she had to go through, through the, what she thought was going to be eight hours is now 10. Sure. So she's out in the waiting room, just what's going on, wondering and, mm-hmm. you know, really worrying. So from May, beginning of the May, and then you had your surgery at the end of May. So it was a fast timeline. It was very fast. And then you're walking around thinking about what, what's my life going to look like and whatever. So, so catch us up today. And then I got some questions for you. Yeah. So Today, I'm on um, my 11th. And it sounds like you had a fantastic team. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. We, we searched real hard with doctors. We got a lot of opinions. It came down to U of M and Henry Ford. And Henry Ford just 
was leaps and heads of what we wanted, mm-hmm. leaps and bounds ahead of. Yeah, because I remember you telling me that your health professionals were fantastic. They were, and to this day they are. McLaren, the nurses, they they. Um, hey, you said they were like like little angels. They were angelic, and then they still are. They're very compassionate and very good and true servants to their patients. So may I ask you a question while we're talking about that? Um, how did you go about the the due diligence and finding, what did you do to kind of research, like who do you think is going to be handling this the best? How did you go about that? Well, I had a lot of recommendations coming at me from friends. I know, you know, much like you, you're you're a community guy for a long time. You know people. Right. So I knew... You knew a lot of people in the medical industry. My sister-in-law is a doctor. My best friend is a doctor. Fortunately, his best friend is the head of surgery at um, Henry Ford that I stood in a wedding with. Mm. So we were well-connected. And and a few of my friends are very well-connected with the U of M doctors. And so you kind of use the network and kind of like, oh, these are my best options. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and then we listened very intently to both sides. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, what made you choose Henry Ford over U of M? Well, Henry Ford, uh, Dr. Kwan talked to us about we're going to do this as a one year program together. It's going to be us for the next year. He gave us his cell phone immediately. Anytime we want to talk to him, we could talk or text. To so him. you felt really comfortable about your plan. He, he called it a journey. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on a journey together. And he Love kept it. using that phrase over and over. I love the word journey. And and it's true that he's lived up to his word, that it has been together. Mm. Whereas at U of M, the surgeon, I'm sure, would have been fantastic at the slicing and dicing of surgery. But in his case, he wasn't as forthright with, call me anytime. Or I asked about, do you have a nutritionist on staff? He said, well, we can get you one if you want. Mm. And I said... Uh, Part of Henry Ford's um, whole program was they would have uh, psychological help if you or your wife needed it mm. during this cancer journey, wow. which so far we haven't got. But if we need to, yeah. and we still might need to, right? That's part of their journey. That's You're part of their the whole plan. Human being. And I asked him about that. I said, "No, we don't have that, but we could get it if you want." So it just seemed like Henry Ford had this whole plan put together whether you wanted it or not, versus at U of M, it was, you can contact me if you want, but I don't really think you'll need to see me anymore. I'm just the surgeon. Right. Well, that's not who I am. Right. If that's what gonna, you do in your own business, right? Yeah. If, <laughs> you, if, if you're, you're going to operate on me, I want to kind of <laughs> hold your hand through this whole Correct. thing. And, and your, Dr. Kwan has done that wonderfully. Yeah, I like the word journey. Yeah, you're on the journey together. So pull us up to speed today. This is fantastic so far. We're This is going to help, I think, more and more people. Well, as far as today, now I'm on uh, I, a week ago, Tuesday, I had my 11th out of 12 chemo. I get a blood test every single Monday. My blood counts have to be appropriate so I can have chemotherapy on Tuesday. So in, what, four days, Monday, I'll give blood my counts will be good enough to give chemo or to get chemo on Tuesday. And if not, I have to wait a week. After that, they look at all my numbers and they figure out, am I good? 
and I just need my quarterly checkups for the next two years and then uh, less than that for five? Or do I need radiation? And at this point, the scans have been clear both times, mm. cancer-free both times, and the surgery is healing very well. So as you mentioned earlier, if they went in to what is now compromised in my stomach area and do radiation, that can have a long-term effect. Correct, yeah. So I'd like to hear more from you about what you were saying earlier with that patient and the long-term effects and alternatives to that. Well, what we were, we were talking about is a gentleman called me and he had uh, prostate cancer and then they removed his prostate. And then his wife and I, his wife and him were calling me because they wanted to help him develop a plan for the future journey. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions they had for me is that um, one of the recommendations from the cancer uh, center was that they wanted to do radiation in his pelvic area. And I said, well, there's a lot of questions. I'm not your doctor, number one. But number two is there's much more questions you need to ask before you go down that path. Just because your PSA is slowly climbing up, there's a lot more questions that need to be addressed. The second thing is I said, well, if they do a, a blanket radiation of your pelvic area, you're going to have a lot of probably poor outcomes, mm -hmm. including your uh, digestive system, which, again, is everything. Everything begins in the gut. As you're talking about your duodenum, you know, it goes from the gut to the duodenum into the intestines. So I said, you're going to have some issues there. Number two, your hormones are going to be all messed up. So now your growth hormone, testosterone, these things all are going to be. So there's a lot of things that could be negatively right. affected. Right. That would be, in my opinion, the last resort. So and then so we just he's going to see another cancer specialist and talk about that. But then between now and then, we're going to develop a plan from a health standpoint you're breathing, you're sleeping, you're eating, all that kind of stuff right now. So we're that's where we're at with this this gentleman. But one of the things I was mentioning to you earlier, we get a lot of questions coming at us. And I, I always say the same thing. I can help you be the quarterback. I can help you ask better questions, your health professionals, but help you navigate. And I think that's the biggest struggle out there right now is people don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. Who do I trust? You know, you had a fantastic network, but you and your wife both had to be very due diligence on what questions to ask and what to do and whatever. And, and, and thank goodness you, at Henry Ford, you had somebody that really felt like you have a plan. Right. And I think that's what people are looking for. Give me a right. plan. Right. So, yeah, you can get mental health. You can get nutritional help. You can get help, but it should be incorporated. And I think that's the challenge. You know, when I wrote my last my new book that I wanted to have people have a guide that they can help them navigate the medical world. Because, you know, in the financial industry, we're not taught much about the financial, but we're also really not taught about the, the health or the medical side. So if you don't have that, mm -hmm. that turns into that. So, so right now you're getting a blood test every Monday. Yep. And then you're doing, you've done 11 out of 12 chemos, right. correct? Yeah. And you might have to do radiation if, things that's a possibility but right now things are doing great yeah right now things are doing great i mean you look very vibrant no oh, well thank you <laughs> i don't always feel so vibrant but but um, you look yeah thank you so um yeah that's that's where we are and I, I hope that i don't have to go through radiation i would certainly prefer not to that's a long sure. process and right. i just had a brother-in-law go through that and that there are effects mm -hmm. that you don't really want to face right but as a um, 
as a husband and as a son and as a father, I'm going to do whatever it takes right. to you know whip this and live a long, healthy, productive life. Serving right. Jesus Christ is my mission. Right. That's what I am living for every day. To yeah. Everything I try to do is with that end in mind. Yep. So how did you get, again, how did you con- get connected? Because then I have, a, I think, some really cool questions. And it's cool. I think the listeners would like to hear a little bit more about some of these things. But how did you get connected with On Target Living? Well, um, I've read about you for years. We live in East Lansing. and Yeah, we're... Right, we're both community guys. Yeah, you'd have to be blind or not involved. <laughs> I've known about to, you too. <laughs> to hear to hear about your practice and the success you've had as a businessman, changing people's lives for decades now. And then uh, you came and spoke to State Farm, our group up in Traverse City, and that was the first time I was with you live in a sense. And I came back and instantly changed a couple things. And I thought highly of you then. And and then. Um, by the way, that was a. I thought that crowd was amazingly engaging. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah, well, yeah, they're State Farm people like to have fun and yeah, talk. It was fun, and they're good people. Yeah, you know, like a good neighbor is pretty true. There are not too many jokes <laughs> it was fun. with State Farm. I remember getting a standing ovation with a bunch of. Uh, I don't know. I just from a Midwest group. I don't know. It was this fun? So, yeah. Anyway, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Should be fun. So then I heard Matt at our planning conference in Grand Rapids. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this for my team. So we brought our team in here and we had 10 people in here on Martin Luther King Day. So we could introduce them to some of your concepts. And um, I just like what you stand for and and your ability to teach without being judgmental. Yeah. And your ability to give ideas without making people feel less. Yeah, we tr- well we try because that's uh, I always look at you know behavior change is the hardest thing to do but you got to do it gently you know everybody's in a different place mm-hmm. and so I learned a long time ago you know training at the Mac and whatever but the the key is is not just giving them information the key is helping them understand where they're at and what what are they willing to do next mm-hmm. without overwhelming them mm-hmm. because I think that's the challenge I mean you know when you what you've been through there's a lot of overwhelm. I mean, it's easy to go, I, I just, I don't even know what to believe, not to believe, whatever. And so in our space, we got to make it very, very, I guess, easy to start your journey. Right. Because if it's not easy to start, you're not going to do that. Right. In my new book, I have a Let's Make a Deal. You remember that Monty Hall. Yeah. And you got three doors. Yeah. And I always look at this from the medical standpoint. Imagine if the doctor gave you three choices. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. Door number one is so easy, you don't have to do anything different. Keep taking your medications, eat whatever you want, just don't, you don't have to move your body. Mm-hmm. And then door number two is kind of moderate and door number three. But we all know if you go through door number one, it's going to get rough and bumpy at some point in time. So I love to see the medical world because that's the challenge, I think, from the medical side. It's not fair to your medical practitioner to go in with broken sleep, hormonal imbalances, acid reflux, and think they're going to fix you in a 12 to 15-minute visit. Right. So as a society, we have to take more ownership in that, in that journey right. along the way. So I got a couple questions about this. So I think you kind of thought you were going to die, but how did that change or inspire you? After that circle around the hospital for an hour, what what mm-hmm. what slowly changed for you, or if, if anything's changed for you from that standpoint? 
Well, I've always been a uh, family man and lived a, a very uh, balanced life, but things just become more clear. With, with that hour walking around, Brenda wasn't there. Brenda was with me every minute in the hospital, but she had an appointment that she had to be at that particular morning. So in retrospect, I'm glad I had to be there and suffer in essence through that alone for an hour because mm -hmm. it was just me and my brain and my heart and my soul and talking through mortality and knowing what you want to live for, which I did previously, but now it's more clear. I think I told you, or maybe I told Matt, I've been involved in strategic coach for over 20 years. So we're doing these plans and programs sure, over right. and over and over about what does your next 10 years look like? What does your next 20 years look like? What are you living for? What's your why? Mm -hmm. The why is most important. And for me, you know, my three boys who are young men, we don't, none of them are married yet. So we don't have, um, we don't have daughter-in-laws, which would like, because we've mm -hmm. never raised a, a daughter and would like the women in our life. That would be awfully fun. Uh, two of the three have real serious girlfriends. So that's, fun. I can't wait to have grandchildren. My friends have grandchildren. I'm mm -hmm. jealous as heck. I can't <laughs> wait to hold a, a little baby. So some of those things that are pulled out from you that you, if, if you think you're a short timer and you're not going to see those, that's a, a curveball that you never really anticipated. Mm -hmm. um, I've always looked at sunsets and beautiful flower. I'm a photographer by hobby. I'm not a great photographer, but I love photography. So I love seeing, in essence, God's nature. And uh, I was looking at your lovely golf course and just wondering, you know, when can I get out there and right. how <laughs> awesome is it going to be? So it, it's hard to capture just what exactly changes. But for me, it's all about the things I have appreciated. I've just appreciated them more. So it's a lot more just became more vibrant to you. Mm -hmm. it, it, so here's another question for you: If this did not happen to you, what would your life? What would your life be different? Hmm. Or would well, it not be? Well, I don't know how different it would be. I do. I've told my wife, and I've told friends. I did not know I could love Brenda anymore, hmm. but I do. And and I do for a few reasons. She has been more of a cheerleader, nutritionist, encourager, motivator, champion than I I ever could imagine. Mm. And I guess I never had to think about it before, but once I saw her in action, she's just been the blessing just, of my it life. It just came out. It It's who she is mm -hmm. to her core. That's who she is as a person. And you know, have you have you communicated that to her? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell right now. I'm like, "Wow." Yeah, she, she's been fantastic, and uh, we laugh a lot. There have been a few times we've cried together, and um, the encouraging part, and especially with COVID, we're spending all our time together. I'm not with a weakened immune system. It's not like I'm going out to large groups of people. So sure, right. It's a good thing we love each other and have fun and laugh a lot because we're spending a lot of time together. I hope she enjoys me as much as I enjoy her. <laughs> I think she probably does. Um, talk about living in the moment. Well, I, I had a, uh, a phone call on my way down to Henry Ford. 
from one of my friends from college. And uh, Carl's advice was, and he went through cancer surgery. And he said, Greg, you have got to make a commitment to yourself to live one day at a time. You can't get ahead of yourself. And that was, mm. I got a lot of good advice, but that was one of the real good pieces of advice I had, especially during the real painful times. And the, the advice Carl gave me, I just had to get to midnight. And if I could mm. get to midnight, I could get to the next day. Mm. So living in the moment is, uh, I, I guess I'm looking at a longer time period within 24 hours, but um, I do think I've lived in the moment where with I'm with you, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do in two hours mm -hmm. or what I did two hours ago. I, I try to be present, be where my feet are. And that, that helps you be with the one you should be with mm -hmm. and give everything you have to them. Mm -hmm. As I think we serve others, that's the best way to do it. That's well said. Um, I'm going to question about coping skills. What new skills have you learned along in this journey? Hmm. Well, I remember I've got emotional over this a couple times, but my dad before surgery, and he knew what kind of surgery this was going to be after some research. He's an engineer. He, he, he talked to me, pulled me aside and he was able to say, you know, you've been a tough kid your whole life. You've been tough in college. You've been tough as a businessman. You've had some real tough issues to face, but you are tough. And he let me have it that I was a tough guy. Mm -hmm. Not mean, but tough. And that's how we were raised. We were never mean kids. I've right. never been in a fight in my life. But as a wrestler and a football player, I don't. I was never afraid really of anybody. Sure. But that's not the toughness he was talking about. Right. He's talking about mentally tough and going through mm. severe times of pain and maybe emotionally you could get down. Mm. So so the the toughness that my dad talked about was a very good precursor for me going into surgery. And then as I started thinking about it, I remember how Chris Spielman from the Detroit Lions as a linebacker would prepare for his toughest opponents by thinking out of the box. And what it got me to do, Chris, was, and I've said this, and I, I have friends who kind of laugh about it, but I'm not a prisoner of war in the Vietnam camps with them throwing food and slop and the mud in a bamboo pole hut where you can't even stand. I'm not a prisoner of war camp in World War II in Dachau which Brenda and I were lucky to visit. I don't have to ever watch my children or my wife being beat or tortured. So I, I have set my mind frame up that, and, and I know this to be true, right? There are so many people who have it worse off oh, than me. Sure. Right. It's way worse than what I'm going through. Right. This is a, a bump in the road mm -hmm. that I'm going to overcome. We're going to overcome, but people have things way tougher yeah, than that's, I do. That, that's, that's great advice. So self-talk is a big deal. I talk a lot about this with, with clients and when I speak, whatever. But it, it, is there anything that keeps you up at night today and maybe some of the conversations you've had to reframe that makes it easier for you? Well, I'll start with self-talk. Uh, my college football coach for us defensive lineman, Dave Egnatuck, 
he would start off every day, it's a great day to be alive. And it could be raining or snowing or hot as heck out at summer, you know, two a days sure. or whatever. I, I parroted that and I lived that every day. I say, it's a great day to be alive as soon as I get in the office to my team. And that's how I start my day. Mm. So I've, I've been a big believer in self-talk. I've tried to teach the kids that I've coached. It's very important that you listen to how you talk to yourself, what you say and what mm. you don't say, because your brain and your heart is listening. You've got to do it. So I, that was the first part of what you started out. But what was your question, Chris? Well, so, so, so sometimes, you know, I always look at uh, if you sometimes we all have things that bother us. Mm -hmm. And I always say to my clients, like, what are the things that keep you up at night? Oh, and then. If they are keeping you up at night, how can we reframe that conversation so it's not as scary as we think? Yeah, that's a good question. What what keeps me up at night right now is my gastrointestinal system. That is not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you were talking about uh, the three boxes and choices you could make. With cancer, typically there's vomiting, there's headache, there's fatigue, or there's diarrhea. Mm. And if most people had a pick... Pick the diarrhea. I think most people would pick <laughs> diarrhea. So that's what I would And I'm have. not laughing at it. I'm just like, yeah, I forget it. But so, it's true, right? Right, it's true. If you had a pick, most You'd people pick, would pick that. And that's keeping you up at night. So it's keeping me up at night, in the day. And it it's funny, and we all laugh at it, but it plays serious havoc with your system. And Absolutely. There's a lot of pain that goes along with it, too. Right. It's a real pain in the butt, is what you could say. Right. But the... Um, the thing that keeps me up at night, I think, is the long-term future that when I let my mind go off in a certain way, I have to pull my back, myself mm. back to 24 mm. hours. Because we all, in essence, we could be six minutes, six hours, six days, six years, could be 50 years from our death. We don't know. Right. So... To live in the moment, as you said earlier, to be a good servant and to do well by others is something that drives me. I don't think there's really a lot that keeps me up at night. I've lived a good, good life. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, we're financially sound. My wife and I have a great marriage. Um, I, I don't think there really is a lot that keeps me up at night. I just, I want to keep going on this journey. I really, my goal is to live to 106. Well, you know, when I, when I was attracted to you, uh, when you came in here with your team and Matt was doing um, his work with you, but it's just your energy. And it's that you could see the, the, the energy that comes out of you and that you have a passion for life. And that's what kind of attracted me. I'm like, I need to get this guy in our podcast because he has this aura, this energy hmm. about life. So that's, that's what kind of got me. I'm like, okay, this guy's going through a really a rough patch. Like you're saying, People going through a lot worse, but this has been rough. I mean, it's not an easy journey. I can't even imagine it. So that's why I want to get you in here. I have another question for you. What has changed from a personal or self-care for you? What are you doing from a self-care standpoint that's different than it probably was maybe a couple years ago? Is there anything major that you're doing to take care of yourself, drinking more water, eating differently, anything like that? Well, Brenda has always done a very good job of helping us eat very healthy, a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables, and she's always substituting something healthy for something fat. So we were in pretty good shape 
we play a lot of pickleball and sports and I golf. So I can't really say there's been a tremendous overhaul, but I, I have had to adjust my diet because I can't eat, you know, with 15% of my stomach gone, right? I have to eat less. But sometimes she laughs that I eat like a teenage boy sometimes. <laughs> and um, You still got that appetite playing football. <laughs> I, I do. And I've maintained my weight right around, before surgery, I was about 230 pounds. Mm. 15% of my stomach, I was down to 200 pounds exactly, which is 15% of my weight. And I vary between 196 and uh, 206. And I'm watching that constantly. And I'd rather be a little bit over 200. Yeah. Because now I've lost the entire shirt size and pant size. So you were ha- hovering right around 200. I am now. Yeah. 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 All right. Any, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'll let you bring anything else you want to ask. So this is always interesting. I like to ask this question for everybody, including myself. But what would you say to your 30-year-old self? Thirty years. How old are you today? I'm fifty-nine. And to my thirty-year-old self, so approximately thirty years ago, what yeah. would you say to yourself? Yeah. Um, maybe there there could have been a little bit more taking better care of my health through nutrition and. Uh, drinking more water. I have never been a great water drinker. Um, sleep has never been a problem for me because I'm high energy and I think I wear myself out by the end of the day. And when I was 30, we were just starting to have children and Brenda and I, Brenda stayed home and raised the boys and I worked and came home, was a very involved father. So I'm proud of that. Uh, it's a hard question because, Chris, I don't have any regrets. That's, that, I, that's thought, kind of what I was going after. I've, yeah. I've thought my whole life how mm-hmm. I want to live my life. Yeah, you've been very intentional. Yeah, yeah. and that word has come about in the last five or ten years, and I didn't know it then, but I have been intentional, and mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to have good mentors and people in front of me to say, think this through and look at this and mm-hmm. know what you want and then go after it. And it's... It's not well, I think sexy, you've done a, it's just it's yeah. the good way to live your life. And I think you surround yourself, obviously, with your parents to start, and you had you know supportive siblings. I mean, it's just, it's that perfect environment, in a sense. You had a, There's a no doubt. fantastic upbringing where you're using, you know, you're playing in the woods with the spears and, yep. you know, being raised by wolves, don't come home until the straight lights come on. <laughs> right. yeah. I was talking about that. I'm like, hey, where are they? Yeah. I don't know. That When the lights come on, you know, then they have to come home. All right. That's so besides right. that, you're in Michigan summers, It's that doesn't get any better than that. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have an, a brother older than me by two years to the day. Jeff has given me lessons along the way. Lori, my little sister, four years younger than me, she has been so loving and caring and supportive. And then Christopher, my youngest brother, my younger brother, he is such an encourager and so prayerful for me and a spiritual leader in my life. 
I'm just blessed to be surrounded by so many great people. It's right. incredible. Right. I just, I, I'm humbled. Yeah. And somewhere along the line of our talk, that should have come out that. Oh, yeah. I've been so blessed that there have been so many gifts along the way that you don't know how much people care about you until something major like this happens. Right. And love oozes out of corners of your life that you right. never really remember. Friends in Hazlitt, our, our neighbors, our our coworkers, friends that I haven't talked to in years. It's just been humbling. I think, you know, the gift, I think, from COVID is a little bit of that, too. People kind of looking you know, a little bit deeper about what's really important in their lives. And I think there's a lot to that. You know, I have, you know, siblings are a gift. And it sounds like you've been really blessed with some good gifts um, because not all of your family has these supportive siblings. And, right. you know, and right. it sounds like you got uh, three amazing um, supportive s- siblings along the way. And I, my mom used to always talk about this, too. He goes, besides your parents, it's your, you know, your siblings are going to be with you, you know, and it's at the end of the day, it, it kind of gets back to your your wife and your kids and your siblings, and which mm-hmm. is pretty. So as we wrap this up, again, this has been fantastic. I hope the listeners um, have got as much out of it as that I've got out of this. But is there anything else you would like to share with any, anything else? Any parting thoughts? Anything you want to? I think if we're talking to people who are interested in a great life that they do have to be very intentional on what they want to think about, you know, are my decisions I'm making in the next five minutes, five days, five months, five years, are they going to help me live the life I want to live to start, you know, like Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. What do you want out of life? And then re-engineer it backwards to today and see, are you on path? Now, nobody's going to be perfect, but maybe we can improve and get a little bit better. Um, I would say for anybody who has a sickness or a cancer that you have to do your due diligence, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. As a country, I think there are so many options and so many varied opinions. You have to be your own very best advocate. And, you know, there's that old saying, um, none of us are as smart as all of us. Get more involvement from friends or family or coworkers or specialists that can give you their opinion. And ultimately, you're going to have to take two, three, four opinions, and you're going to have to pull the trigger and mm-hmm. decide, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. But people will hit you with different ideas that maybe you haven't considered before, and that's how your best choices can yeah. be made. That's great advice. Well, my friend, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time today. I think uh, this is going to help many people. It's helped me. And... Um, you know, you get these curveballs thrown at you, and um, you've lived an incredible life. So it's nice to, to have you share some of your thoughts and your history and your future with uh, so you. many. So thanks for, for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I hope that something I've said gives somebody either a little bit of motivation or maybe another way to reframe what's happened in their life to look at certain uh, obstacles as challenges that they're not always roadblocks they actually make you stronger and uh, I I know you're a believer in that and uh, I respect and appreciate what you've done for me and what you're doing for so many people to change the world to to be a better healthier spot to live in so thanks again my friend yeah okay thanks absolutely Mm -hmm.